Welcome to the Wheel of Sports, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. How are you, Ian? Hey, <laughs> very well, Matt. Let me get this wheel spinning. And hello, thanks for listening. This normally comes at the end, doesn't it, Matt? But we'll say, leave a review, pause us, leave a review wherever you get your podcast. That'd be nice. Cheer us up, wouldn't it, Matt? Oh, it'd be very kind. We really do appreciate positive feedback. The wheel stops spinning, Ian. This uh, this week's episode is going to be Two Tribes. Two Tribes? I haven't had Ooh. one of those in a while, so I'm going to take this one, if that's all right with you. Look, you've got the wheel. You're taking care of the wheel, Matt. I trust you. Thanks very much. You can, Thank you, you. You can get stuck in. Two Tribes. This is when, you know, Frankie goes to Hollywood. This, isn't it? This yeah, is, exactly. Two Tribes this is going big... to war. So, uh, yeah, you know, you might often, if we had, we've had the England cricket team versus the Australian cricket team. It's normally England-Australia, isn't it? I think we had uh, England netball versus Australian netball. Uh, this time, uh, it's going to be another famous uh, rivalry. It's man versus machine. Man versus machine. Now, I'll just say to anyone listening, don't Google that. That could... <laughs> That could turn out bad, but uh, <laughs> just man versus machine, Matt. That's it. I'm I, I'm trying to think of a sport where a man could play a machine, or well, I'm trying to think. Actually, is this like are you talking like one of those machines that fire baseballs at people or tennis <laughs> balls, or That's like? It. I'm trying to think of what else. Like, where does you have to have a fight against the machine? Well, this this is a very famous uh, fight against a machine. Um, it's it's chess. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there. Chess. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I just wasn't expecting when you built this up to be man versus machine, and then I didn't expect the next word out your mouth to be. Chess. Well, it is. Let, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about it. This In this match, in just 11 moves, the winner puts themselves in a position so strong, the opponent can do nothing but concede defeat. The loser reacts with a cry of foul play. And that's like you know, one of the most strident accusations of cheating that's ever been made in a tournament. It ignites an international conspiracy theory that's still being questioned 20 years later. This is just no ordinary game of chess, Ian. This is Deep Blue versus Gary Kasparov. The match is fought over six games, lasting several days. It receives massive media coverage around the world. There's three draws, two wins for the winner, and one for the loser. And in this case, the loser was the up-until-then unbeaten grandmaster of chess, Gary Kasparov. And the winner is the IBM supercomputer, Deep Blue. How can you tell me this is not going to be an incredible tale? That's amazing, Matt. You, you've actually pulled it back very, very well. You, you, went, you built it up, man versus machine, disappointed me with chess, and then you've just built, built it back it up. up. Again. Let's just say I'm happy to defend chess as a sport. If we think of a sport that requires agile thinking, some stamina, hand-eye coordination... You know, you've yes. got to move on that clock. That yeah. clock button is, is very important. Matt is... Or it, you know, planning, strategy... You know, uh, also, Tactics. you know, uh, yeah, thinking about your opponents as well when they're making a mistake or are they laying a trap for you? You know, well, these are all things that you've got to consider. But when you're playing against the machine, Matt, that psychology must be so different to when you're face to face. 
Well, let me tell you about it, Ian. Let me tell you about why it's different. Um, so we're, we're going back to 1997, okay? It's the 11th of May. It's the first time a computer has beaten a world champion in a six-game match under the standard time controls. And it's it's so dramatic. Kasparov, Gary Kasparov, he's beaten the machine uh, in the first game. But then he loses the second, draws three in a row. And in the final game, the sixth game, when Deep Blue beats Kasparov, he can't believe it. Nobody can believe it. To the point where he starts making arguments that the computer must have actually been controlled by a real human grandmaster of chess. Kasparov and his supporters just don't believe that Deep Blue's playing style was was that of that of a computer. He felt that the machine was too human and the style of play was too human. So he just couldn't believe it. He felt that the machine must have been a puppet to to another grandmaster of chess. Um, meanwhile, the rest of the world, are, you know, to to the believers, to those accepting of of the machine's victory, they're they're now feeling. I don't know, excited, terrified. Like, this is the first time that artificial intelligence has reached a stage where it can outsmart humanity. It's 1997. You've got to remember, Terminator 2 came out in 1991. So I'm sure the whole world, even now, in in 2020 (laughs) recorded, we're still terrified of Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, coming back. I I was terrified of Arnold Schwarzenegger becoming governor of California when that happens, so... (laughs) So the basis of Kasparov's claims, because as I say, he, he refuses to accept this. And the conspiracy theories and, and these claims of foul play, they all centre on a move that the computer made in the second game of the match. Uh, and that's the first time, the first game that, that, that Deep Blue had won. Okay, So Kasparov... So, win- Matt, sorry, can I just clarify a couple of things here? It's like, you're talking like the computer plays with a degree of flair or something. Sure, do, do the co- coordinations just come up on a screen and Kasparov just plays against the visual screen? Is that how it kind of works? Or, you, you know, because the way you're talking about it, like as though a, a particular move or a human did that, like how could you tell that a human did a move or a computer did a move? Well, well, this is it. You can't because obviously with, the, with a human... You're doing a risk assessment and, you know, a dynamic thought process and analysis all of the time. You're constantly, you know, your brain as you're playing chess is thinking so many moves ahead, thinking about probability and odds and uh, weighing that up against what, what you you think your opponent's going to do. And, um, you know, you're, that's, that's how grandmasters play chess, isn't it? There are many, many moves ahead and there's many permutations that they're thinking about, which is exactly what the computer does. So the computer has all of the permeations, has all of the the statistics and odds of of what's going to happen, and makes the the correct move, if you like, based on its its thought processes. So, yeah, it's that's that's sort of how the the computer would play. It's interesting you ask though, because so the, the rules are that the um, IBM, the guys that have made it, they have the opportunity to tweak. Deep Blue's programming in between matches, but just to sort of eradicate bugs, okay? So tweaking sort of the algorithms, but not not to sort of 
adapt them to, to his style necessarily. And it can only be sort of between games, not afterwards. And that would kind of add to the conspiracy, wouldn't it? That like Most there's definitely. A, there's a bit of human tampering somewhere in the line. It's not like you set up the computer and they go, there you go. It's like as soon as you have that human interaction with the computer during the series of games, then... Well, that exactly. Does add, add to the conspiracy. Oh, this Definitely. is getting tasty, Matt. Keep going. <laughs> so, so basically, as I, as I was saying, in the second game of the match, um, which is the first game that Deep Blue wins, Kasparov has encouraged the computer to take a poisoned prawn. So that's a sacrificial piece, if you like, that's positioned as a bit of bait to entice your opponent into a trap, a trap that's ultimately going to lead to to defeat. And it's a tactic that Kasparov's used to good effect against human opponents, you know, throughout his career. But in this case, uh, the computer doesn't take the pro- the poison prawn. It doesn't make a move that that makes sense to Kasparov. It sort of throws Kasparov off because because he does the computer doesn't respond as Kasparov expects. Kasparov feels that this move is too human because it's so unorthodox. He's thrown off his game. He gets really angry because he feels that there's some shenanigans going on with the computer. And he he gets so emotional. He ends up walking away from this game. He's 1-0 up. He walks away to, to hand the computer the first win to go one-all in the, in the match. Uh, and he forfeits that game. He, he, and then he never really recovers. So in the next three games, as I say, they all end in draws. And then in the final game, the sixth game, you know, a lot of critics and experts say that Kasparov actually threw the game away. He lost it due to errors he he made. So is he's probably still thinking about the computer defeating his poison prawn. Yeah, basically, it wasn't just the fact that he beat that move. It was that he, the computer behaved so weirdly that Kasparov sort of thinks, well, it must be part of some sort of higher tactic. There must be some sort of deeper strategy here so it wasn't that that move failed it was that it failed it it just the behavior was just so odd wow i i feel sorry for gary it's um, improbable as well that his name's gary but let's let that go by the by uh (laughs) (laughs) trying to defeat a computer on pornography is is very tricky (laughs) very tricky so well played deep blue i mean deep blue is great for a poison prawn as well like the deep blue sea it's uh superb (laughs) it sounds like he's playing a chip shop i mean this is great (laughs) (laughs) well yeah the the moves based on this um strategic advantage that a player can get so without getting sort of too technical about it those who've played chess you'll know that your rooks and your queens can just launch across the board sort of vertically. So you're trying to create a what's called an open file, which is basically a column of squares on across the board that just contain no pieces. So it's a really attacking route because if you can get into that, that column, your, your queen, they can then just advance all the way across the board and potentially then put the opponent into into checkmate or you know do real damage to sort of uh, maybe the back line where, where some of those key pieces would be. That's the other move that Kasparov finds really confusing. So there's basically two elements to this. The second game, there was the move that wasn't taken with the poison prawn. In the first game, there was also some really unusual behavior by the by the computer around this this maneuver. And again, Kasparov's just getting so frustrated because he, 
it, it, the moves the computer's making don't make sense. So he's saying, was, was there a compu- was there a human there behind the computer, sort of actually making the moves? Um, as you said, the conspiracy theories were huge. You know, they he felt that humans have interfered, and it's all hinges around how they're using these these moves. Okay, and as I said, they were allowed to fix the bugs, but they weren't allowed to interfere during the game. But the fact is, at the end of the at the end of the thing, IBM refuse a rematch. Okay, so so he's, the computer wins. So Kasparov's asking to see the the deep blue logs to understand sort of why it made these moves and how. IBM delay releasing those. They they won't be having it. And <laughs> you can see all of these details are just adding to the to the conspiracy theories and. Everyone saw well. Those who believe Kasparov are just really suspicious of of why the computers behaved in such an unusual way. Matt also did. Uh, I know Gary Kasparov had a massive fan base. Did Deep Blue also have a fan base? Were the people kind of cheering for the computers to defeat man here, or was it humankind? There must have been some defectors from humankind who wanted the machine to win. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I'm not sure. Like, do, what do you reckon? The fans were just like other sort of household appliances, like t- toasters and <laughs> microwaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cameras, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah, know exactly. Any anything with a plug on, it was yeah. It's but well, I suppose there would have been people wanting to see because it is very curious, and also uh, it strikes me that. IBM, there's a lot in it for IBM not to release the log straight away because it builds tension, it builds mystique, it builds like, you know, they're, they're probably, if they show the logs, it might be fine. But by denying that, it kind of builds a buzz around yeah, exactly. this competition. So it's in their interest not to share it straight away. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And it's, it's interesting. I guess, yes, there would have definitely been a lot of people, obviously the guys who worked on the comp, the, the program for IBM but yeah I'd say a lot of believers in technology and, and the power of a computer would want to see this but yeah there must have been a lot of people feeling just terrified that a computer is now going to going to win at chess because this is something that you know been going on for years can a computer learn can it beat a, a human can a computer ever be smarter than a human you know I think nowadays we probably wouldn't be surprised that you know, if uh, if a, if a computer, an artificial intelligence, was smarter than a human, I don't think anybody would would probably bat too many eyelids about that. You'd just be, you know, <laughs> you'd feel as uncomfortable as we probably all do now. I think probably what we've found out over the last couple of decades, Matt, is that computers are smarter than most people. I think the frightening thing is is that are they smarter than Gary Kasparov? <laughs> Which is like, that's, I mean, most, like, most actually household appliances are smarter than most people. Yeah, true. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, I suppose it is the fascination of, um, I, I think the thing is with artificial intelligence is nuance. And a lot of people believe that the game of chess is a lot about nuance and a lot about, it's not just algorithmic, but it's also about, many other factors maybe this computer is proving that it is purely algorithmic and it just lacks nuance i don't know (laughs) yeah well i suppose it i don't know i suppose it probably is right just 
but it's difficult for us to see all of the algorithms. Um, but yeah, I guess there must be something in that. But eventually, Deep Blue's logs were released. And when they were analysed, it actually suggests that maybe Kasparov actually was defeated because of his innate humanness, if you like. So, as I said, in that first game, Deep Blue makes this move that's random. Okay, it's it's unorthodox, it confuses Kasparov. Kasparov wins the first game, but he's left feeling confused and, and also quite intimidated by this computer. He thinks it's part of a really complex strategy, this one move, okay? When it's been analysed, Deep Blue made that move because of a bug. So what had happened was there was a glitch in that first game where Deep Blue couldn't find a move that worked within its algorithms and therefore made a random move because like by default the the glitch had just led the computer to do anything but Kasparov felt and that's the difference you see the computer doesn't feel Kasparov <laughs> feels even though he wins that that must be part of a strategy he's left overwhelmed he's he's emotional so then in the second game with this, uh, the open file tactic, which is, as I said, where you basically leave a, a street open to throw your rook or queen up. Again, Deep Blue is behaving unusually on this tactic. And again, Kasparov's thrown, but it was an error. Deep Blue wasn't supposed to do that. So in between <laughs> games, the algorithms are being tweaked. And that was part of the rules. It was, it was allowed. But actually, Kasparov... He's becoming confused and put off by Deep Blue's unusual behaviour. You know, second-guessing himself and thinking, well, it must be a trap. The computer's laying tricks and traps for me. It's some sort of part of a bigger strategy. And it's somebody's mess... Basically, his mind's been messed with. But it's it's just a mistake. The computer's making <laughs> mistakes. And he feels it's probably some sort of counterintuitive play that's, I don't know, based on some sort of sign of higher intelligence, Kasparov never considers that the computer's making mistakes. Kasparov's never thinking, it's a bug. Kasparov is is thrown by the fact that he's playing a machine in a way that maybe if he was playing a human who made those moves, he'd think, stupid human made a mistake. But because he's wow. playing a computer, he, do you know what I mean? He just ends up... Uh, maybe overthinking it or getting emotional in a way which obviously a computer wouldn't. Do you know what would be really fascinating? Because obviously when this happened in 97, there was a lot of media around it. And again, you know, the fact that Kasparov was playing a Deep Blue, the computer. What would have been fascinating if Kasparov was playing another chess grandmaster, but that grandmaster was secretly receiving Being information yeah. from Deep Blue and then to see because then he wouldn't have had that emotional response yeah exactly because like, he thought he would have been playing against the peer yes psychologically I think the fact he was playing a computer must have created this pressure um, and because of the unusual move in that first game you know it. as I say Kasparov won the first game but just that one move has just planted the seed of doubt and the the irony is, as I say, it was a it was a bug, it was a fault, which the IBM team then you know they they 
correct the algorithm before the second game so that the machine doesn't make that same mistake again. But by then, it's too late. That seed of doubt has been planted in Kasparov's mind. And unlike the computer, who can have its bugs sort of ironed out and things, there's nobody there able to do that for Kasparov. So Kasparov's mind now has this bug, if you like, um, and it, it, it's come from the uh, come from the computer. Yeah, because in subsequent games, that move that Kasparov, you know, when where he lays the trap, like the poison prawn, he is going to overthink that, isn't he? He might not do that next time because he thinks if I do that, then I'm going to get this weird move. Yeah, and I won't know how to I won't respond. Know how to deal so with I'll it, yeah. play more conservatively. Or it, it, it's fascinating, man. But what was in it for Kasparov here? Because he just seems like he's on a hide into nothing. Was he? He must have been getting paid a lot of coin for this. Yeah, I'd say so. I actually don't know, but uh, probably probably just for the. For the, maybe for the money, maybe maybe for why not? Maybe he's uh, he's into science and and he's curious. You know, he's been issued a challenge by the guys at IBM. Um, you know, I guess if somebody says I can beat you, you're gonna say no, you can't. And I mean, Kasparov had been quite um, forthright in his beliefs that he would never be beaten by a computer. It just wasn't something he felt would ever happen. But as I say, you know, we're going back over twenty years. You know, the idea that this could happen just for a lot of people, just felt ridiculous. You know, there wasn't, I guess, the understanding we have of artificial intelligence and maybe we weren't as familiar with computers, you know, the home computer, the laptop, all of those things, perhaps they weren't as commonplace as they are now. Certainly, you know, your mobile phone uh, has incredible amounts of technology. And the truth is, Deep Blue's programming, you know, by modern standards is just like atrocious compared you know you could download a <laughs> an app or sort of a chess guide um you know you could just play a chess game on your on your phone or on your computer and the the tactics and algorithms that that any given uh, modern day chess computer would have would destroy deep blue that's that's sort of the progress that we've made and and obviously now you know there's the this development sort of all over the place, but that match, it sort of, I guess, was the signal of a, a of a shift um, that that's gaining today. You know, it's it's gaining in speed as well, and the this sort of data processing that the Deep Blue relied upon is now just found everywhere in in every corner. As I say, you know, in, in healthcare, in financial systems, you know, dating apps, you know, you name it it's it's there right all data is is being processed but this this all just started off as sort of a, a student project and uh but it really was i guess maybe a tipping point in society's understanding of of computers and and sort of ushering in this age of big data it's really fascinating isn't it because 97 a lot of people still haven't got the internet yeah. Uh, a home and then you know i no iphone no ipod ipod uh, anything back then um that is a signal isn't it to say and i i love the kind of the conflict in this man versus machine that like the two tribes element to it is so great like it's so dramatic and so well staged this idea and fair play to kasparov because i kind of feel that even if you got you know a couple of million dollars for it he would f- still 
he's on a hide into nothing. I still think it's a machine. And as you well, say, but, but as you say, he can't believe think... it. He thinks it must yeah. have been a, 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 another grand uh, grandmaster because he just doesn't believe. I mean, nowadays, I just feel that you know, no, there'd be no surprise to know that the best chess player in the world was a computer. But back then, as you say, it just it seemed inconceivable to people that that a computer could be smarter than a than a person. It just it wasn't something that was plausible. You know, it was the stuff of science fiction. And as I say, Terminator Two was was sort of around then. The, Ma- <laughs> the Matrix came out a couple of years later, but these were the the laughable ideas, you know, that that now just aren't that laughable, I suppose. Do you, do you know the funny thing, Matt, as well, is I kind of have a memory of, of, of this happening, but never knew the details, and it, it was fascinating to, to hear them uh, in this episode. But one of my favourite bands, as you know, Half Man, Half Biscuit, have, have had a few mentions on this podcast before, but they wrote a song called Bad Losers on Yahoo Chess, and it's about people who play each other on Yahoo Chess online. And then when they're about to lose, rather than get checkmate, they just log off. Just Yeah, just exit. <laughs> so the song is about that. So one of the lines in the song is, Deep Blue, in 97, I voted for you as sports personality of the year. I thought at least you'd get the overseas, but when all said and done, you're not like some of these bad losers on Yahoo Chess. I mean... <laughs> I just think it's it's so beautiful the, that the idea that Deep Blue should have won the overseas BBC Sports Personality I mean, of the Year that would have been that would have been special. incredible that would have been absolutely amazing. <laughs> Imagine the acceptance speech. <laughs> oh, goodness me, so good though, right? Be, so be, good. A, be a friendly paperclip, but um, yeah, amazing story, Matt. And we talked at the start about whether chess is a sport. Well, you did. Yeah. It definitely is. Definitely yeah, is. definitely is. But also, in this case, I reckon working on the IBM algorithms is almost a sport. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, that would definitely have uh, bring me out in a sweat anyway. Um, thanks so much for listening to The Wheel of Sport. Make sure, here's, here's a little thing that you can do very kindly, is share... Uh, this episode or your favourite episodes, share them on social media, share them with your friends. Word of mouth is great. We make so many great episodes and it's all in half an hour. You learn so much. That sounds a bit patronising that, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You might learn something. You might not. I think my brain has been taken over by an algorithm. uh, (laughs) uh, That's that's what I'm hoping anyway. But um, thanks so much for listening awesome story Matt and we'll see you next time on the Wheel of Sport thank you goodbye